Welcome to our North Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you. For further information about our church, please visit churchnorth.com or check out our social media at Church North. Today's speaker is Pastor Dave Niblock. I'm going to turn to Revelation chapter 7. And I'm going to read from verse 9 to 12, Revelation 7, verse 9 to 12. We want to welcome any new students. <laughs> Some of you are probably messaging your parents right now going, I think I'm in church, <laughs> but I'm not sure if it's a nightclub slash church. I'm not sure where I am. Well, you're now going to hear the gospel. You're now going to hear the word of the Lord. <laughs> so you are in church. Revelation chapter 7, <clears throat> verse 9 to 12. It says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. Notice who they worshiped? They worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever. And ever, amen. Amen. I've always fought against nations. From the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, nations are fighting against nations. 2000, what is it now? 2023. (laughs) 2023. Nations are still fighting against nations. Tribes are fighting against tribes. People groups are still fighting against people groups. Communities are fighting against communities. Streets are fighting against streets. Gangs are fighting against gangs. And it is sad to see, despite the jubilant, joyous occasion that we've had together this this morning, it is sad to see even now there is still such disunity in many parts of the world. And yet John writes in the book of Revelation, and I know many of you don't read the book of Revelation often, I know we don't preach from the book of Revelation often, we will at some point, but John, he writes and he shares his vision of what God has given to him, of what he can see, of his vision for the end times and the tribulation and the 144,000 and the four angels and the four corners of the earth and the four winds, (laughs) and we haven't got time to go into what that means because I don't even know. Well, I kind of do, but we'll leave that for another day. But really what John is saying is as he is getting this vision of what is to come, of the end times, of the tribulation, of all the difficult times in the future, of all that comes, even though what John sees has not yet come to pass in the book of Revelation, because really what he is speaking about, and we have not yet witnessed, it is still to come. A time is growing now. And the time is growing where one day all will see and all will sing and all will what cry out in a loud voice 
from every nation, from every tribe, and from every tongue. And what will they cry out? Salvation belongs to our God. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. That is what John sees. That is the vision he has. And I love being part of a church where even though that is a vision to come, we get a taste of it now. It might not be the full expression of what will come through, through our time in heaven and through the end times and through the tribulation and the 144 and all of that. But even now we get a glimpse of nearly 45, I think 45 nations represented in this church today that we can celebrate and honour that we have worshipped together. A time is growing and it is coming and growing where all will sing together. You know, God has made all of us, every single one of us, so unique and so different. We are so unique and we are so different. Isn't it interesting? How come certain people jump and dance with their flag? Other people walk with it like this. How come is it when your song came on, people were standing on chairs that the church owns with your muddy feet? And you were like... And other people, when your nation came in, you went like this. We are so unique and so different. And there is something beautiful about that. I've been blessed in my life to travel to some nations, visit their cultures, eat their food. I love eating their food. Swim in their seas, enjoy their landscapes. Some countries in Europe that we have been to. I've had the joy of being to South Africa, seeing Table Mountain in Cape Town. I was amazing. When I was, when I was a Bible college student, I lived in Sydney, Australia and saw that with my parents. They took me when I was real young because my dad's a New Zealander. I went to New Zealand and went to the North Island and South Island and you're blown away by what you see. I've had amazing times in Kenya. <laughs> I've been to America. My parents took me one time to Canada. Yeah. I had an average time in Belgium. Average. <laughs> I'm just joking if you're Belgies in here. But Bel- Belgium. I've been to see these beautiful different countries. And you cannot argue and you cannot disagree that God has created and shaped this world and the nations of this world and the people of this world to be wonderfully different. The people in the Northern Hemisphere are different to the people in the Southern Hemisphere. The people in Northern Europe are very different to the people in Southern Europe. The people in the North of Africa are very different to the people in the South of Africa. There is diversity from the people on the East Coast of America and the West Coast of America. There is difference, wonderfully different, and God has shaped it. God has made this uniqueness and this difference. We have different languages. We have different landscapes. We have different temperatures. And I'm annoyed that we live in a country where God did not bless us with a temperature higher than 18 degrees. I'll be having words in heaven about that. 
We have different foods. We have different cultures. We have different values. We have different priorities. And yet, in every single body of every single nation is a heart longing for relationship with God. In every heart, in every nation. And they might not know that, and they might think they don't need that, and they might live their life unaware of that, but I believe in every body is a soul that has been shaped by God for the purposes of God. And our heart is that people would connect with God, their creator, and get to experience a life with God. That is why I believe a nation's dependency upon God is so important. A nation's dependency, reliance and faithfulness and honour of God is so important. And across these flags, many of them were birthed or were established when Jesus ascended into heaven and the disciples discipled what from Judea to Samaria, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth the ends of the earth were impacted with the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And for many of the, nation, for many of the nations, the impact of Jesus Christ helped shape their governance, helped shape their society, helped shape their nation's culture. And even now, some countries are still what we would call led by their faithfulness and commitment to God because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe it is so important to keep a nation's dependency on God. Because if you keep eroding God and faith in God out of a nation, you end up becoming so secular that life can change very quickly. Let me just show you a quick um, example here, a little illustration to kind of prove my point. Um, Here we have a a four-legged stool, as you can see. And... uh, this stool enables me to sit on this stool. Many of you have a stool. And each of these legs represents something. One of these legs represents government. Every nation, how many of you know, needs a government. And when the government is working well, often the nation thrives. When the government is not working well, how many of you know a nation suffers? Some of you are very aware of that. Another one of these legs is education because every child needs to be educated. Every adult needs to be in an education development place to develop their learning because education really is the bedrock. It is a foundation. It is a leg of a nation. The third leg I'll call society. Society is like the home values that are established. It is how we live life in community. It is how we do life with each other. And so you have government You have education and you have society. And this is how most nations have been established. And the fourth leg, guess what? It is faith in God. It is faith in God. And as a result of that, you sit proudly on your stool because your nation is standing on strong governance, strong education, strong society, rooted in a faith in God. But what happens is when sometimes you start hammering away at certain things. And you start taking God out of schools. And you stop allowing people to express their faith openly. 
And people start getting criticised for their faith. And before you know it, God is not high on the agenda anymore. In fact, he's kind of ignored or disposed of. (laughs) It's hard to get rid of God sometimes. You end up with a three-legged stool, and even though you can still sit on it for a time, the reality is it is nowhere near as stable as it once was. And things begin to come, and before you know it, you are wobbling, and it won't be long before a nation falls, because it needs God at the foundation God at the foundation, this is a good tweet, of the nation. (laughs) Thank you. And I'm trying to encourage us today, because I know many of us, well, all of us are living right now, most of us in the United Kingdom, either permanently or semi-permanently. Maybe you're studying here for three years. Some of you are passing through. Some of you might have just moved here. But our prayer is that faith in God, the fourth leg of this nation, the United Kingdom, would be re-established with great strength. I know we sing, we might sing about God in a national anthem and we might declare God in certain laws and we place our hand on the Bible when we're in court. But how many of you know God needs to be centre in homes, in families, in schools, in communities, and in the church? You see, everything comes from that place. But if you keep cutting God out, it is no surprise why nations sometimes begin to wobble and some nations begin to fall. Look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 to 2. It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all of his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All those blessings will come on you and will accompany you, what? If you obey the Lord your God. I tell you what, the blessing of God follows nations who, live, who have obedience to God and commit to following of his commands. That is biblical, that there is a blessing on nations when there is a nation, national obedience to God and a following of his commands. And whatever nation you represent today, how many of you know there is pride in that nation? You have pride in your nation. You have pride in your flag. Despite its successes and despite its failures. Because the reality is each of these nations represent a whole lot of successes. And they also represent a whole lot of failures. They represent a whole lot of things that would be like, yeah, it's awesome. And then a whole lot of things that you're like, "Mm, not so awesome. And that's every nation represented here has its successes And it also has its failures. The United Kingdom has them. The European countries, the countries on the African continent, the countries from Australasia, the the, the South America, they all have their successes and their failures. And yet we still have pride in our nation. And I want to say today, it's good to have pride in your nation. I think it's good to celebrate and honour your nation. And you might ask, why is it important to do that? I think it's important to do that because these nations represent heritage. These nations represent history. It represents family. It represents traditions. They represent stories. 
They represent memories. Some of you are living here because of a story, because of a memory, because of something that happened. There is heritage in every single person in this room today. And maybe you're not aware of your heritage. Sometimes it is good just to find out and discover, you know, that country, you know, the program on the, you know, where's it, you know, where, where are you from? And it kind of traces your ancestry back in the heritage because there is something prideful about that. And sometimes you see people weeping, going, well, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that happened to my family. I didn't even know they lived there and born, were born here and came over and had to go through that. There is power in understanding that. Like Ab says, says, I was born in Wales. I have a New Zealand passport and a British passport. But yet I feel quite English. I've lived in England since I was two. And so I would, I would cheer for England when it comes to sport. Abs will still cheer for Wales. If New Zealand play England in the rugby, I will be supporting England over New Zealand. If England play Wales in the football, I'll be supporting England over Wales. That is just where my preference is. But my heritage is from different places. My grandparents, I think, are Scottish, and then they moved to New Zealand, and that's where my dad was from. He met my mum in London. They moved to Wales. My mum was already from where. And so all of us are scattered from different places, representing heritage, history, family, tradition, stories, and memories. I do think, I do say, I said this to Abs this morning, it's interesting how often you share greater pride in your country when you're not in your home country. Do you know what I mean? Like, England got like a whoop whoop, but like, yeah, that's all right. Because <laughs> we're here. But those of you who are like representing countries that you, you're from, you live here, but you really represent another country, you're way more passionate here than you probably are there. Sometimes funny how that often happens. But all our nations have shaped us in some way. And I want to say this, is everybody listening to this point, I want to say now, this is important, Okay. Your nation may shape your personality, but it doesn't create your identity. Your nation may shape your personality, but it doesn't create your identity. Why? Because your identity lies with God. Don't put your identity in a nation. Put your identity and place it in a saviour. Maybe that is why Paul writes in Galatians, Paul the apostle writes in Galatians 3 verse 28. Look what it says on this screen. He says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are what? All one in Christ Jesus. So today we gather as male and female. We gather as English and we gather as Brazilian. (laughs) We gather as slave or we gather as free in terms of what Paul the Apostle is saying. But when we come together in Christ, guess what? We are one. Because when nation politics divide us, it is Christ who unites us. When nations start fighting nations and bring division, it is Christ, Jesus, who unites. You see, we worship God from spirit, not from nationality. Heritage will give us styles, but it is only the spirit of God that will give us connection. And so we don't worship God in style, but we worship him what? In spirit and in truth. 
And you might be like, yeah, but I like that style. Or I wish we could dance like they do in South Africa. Or I wish we could pray like they do in Korea. Hey, those things are good because people are using their personality and their heritage to express their love for God. But ultimately, we don't worship from that place because God doesn't see you through your nation. He sees you what? Through Christ. And that is why I believe this church is growing in its richness and in its uniqueness and its diversity because our commitment to each other is firstly in Christ before it is in nation. I don't see you and go, hold on, what nation are you first before I pray for you? What nation are you if I sit with you or not? What nation are you if I'm going to serve on this team? I need to know what nation you represent first. No, we are in Christ first. And once we are in Christ, I'm cool with knowing who you are. But I don't want where you come from to be a barrier or to prevent me from being united in Christ because we are united in Christ before we ever are united in nation. That doesn't mean we dishonour our nation, but it does mean we place Christ before it and above it. Maybe that's why I love Psalm 86 verse 9. The psalmist says, all the nations that you have made. Notice that. Who made the nations? God made them. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord, and they will bring glory to your name. It's also repeated in Revelation 15.4 in John's vision as he has on the Isle of Patmos. Because there is something about nations worshipping God. Not just in the future end times, but even now. Because what it does is it surrenders something in us and says, I am Christ first. And that is why I can worship with you and I can worship with you. We might enjoy different foods. We might have different cultures. We might have different values and priorities nationally. And your nation might have done something to my nation, but I can worship with you in Christ. There is something beautiful about the gathering of the saints together. Because as we do that together, it becomes a beacon of hope to everybody else. I want to read a verse to you from Zechariah 8, verse 23. And um, Sarah Chilton in our church sent me this this week as she was praying and believed God spoke to her about this verse for our church. And I read it and I was like, yeah, I want to share this verse because look what it says. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, 10 people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and they will say, Let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. What an amazing prophecy. And I'll explain what it means. The Jew, the people of God. Okay, in the Old Testament, the Jewish person was representative of the people, the nation of God. And Zechariah is saying, the time is coming where there's going to be people from 10 other nations that are going to grab the hem of your garment and say, where you go, we're coming with you because God is clearly with you. And if you're going there, we're going there. And I had this picture as it saw for our church where we are now, the church, the people of God. We are not Jews in this room, but we are still what the people of God. 
And other 10 nations over time, guess what? They're going to start gathering and pulling on the hem of this church and other churches and other communities of the people of God. And they're going to say, hey, we're coming with you. Why? Because God is with you. And if you've come from a nation that may have been in distress, maybe you've come as a refugee, maybe you've come from a war, a a, a place of war. I know at the moment we have a number of people from Ukraine who have gathered with us in the last 12 months. If you've come from those places, we hope that this church has been not just a sanctuary, but also a refuge for you, a safe place but a place that you can gather with the people of God as other nations cling to our hems of our garment and say, hey, we want to come with you because God is clearly with you. And so we honour our heritage. We thank God for our nations. We celebrate them. We love them. And we worship the one true and living God. And so I am British, I am British, but more importantly than that, I belong to the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God first, British second. And I honour the Britishness within me, but more importantly, I honour the kingdom of God within me. I'm British, that means I like the rain means I like to stand in queues <laughs> unnecessarily. Even when there's no queue, I find myself in a queue. <laughs> what are you queuing for? We're not queuing. Oh, I'm standing behind you because we just do queues. <laughs> I like to eat scones with jam and cream. Cream first, jam on top. <laughs> I like the Beatles and I like Elton John. I like fish and chips. I love a full English breakfast. Without the black pudding. I love tennis. I love rugby. I love cricket. Proper British English sports. But more importantly, I love the kingdom of God. More importantly than any of those things, I love the kingdom of God. I love to worship God. I love his word. I love his church. And I love all the people of God who gather together in a loud voice and declare that I would love us to share together in this moment. It's going to come on this screen, what we read at the beginning in Revelation. Revelation chapter 7. And every nation in this room, before the band and singers come and join us, I'd love us just to say this together. And maybe you want to speak it in English. Maybe you want to translate it into your national language. But let's read this together. Come on. Praise and glory, wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And whatever nation... Hallelujah. Whatever nation, whatever tribe, 
whatever tongue, a time is a time will come and a time is growing where we will be singing that, where we will be declaring that, where we will be saying salvation belongs to our God. Wisdom and power and honor and strength and thanks be unto him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet.